welcome to the latest episode of Be Atento. I am Jesse Ulrich, CEO of Randam Productions and editor of this podcast. The Be Atento podcast offers helpful tips and stories from some of today's most successful entrepreneurs and investors. And it's brought to you by Atento Capital, a Telsa-based venture fund focused on driving returns through early stage venture investment and local economic development and job creation. Atento stands for helpful, careful, thoughtful, conscientious, and polite as Atento Capital seeks to embody these characteristics to all of its stakeholders. In today's episode, Sean and Aaron speak with Shelley Bell, the founder of Black Girl Ventures, a social enterprise that creates access to social and financial capital for black and brown women founders. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another issue of the Be Atento podcast. And you are in for a treat today. We are having a wonderful conversation with the incomparable, the unmatched, the unparalleled Shelly Bell of Black Girl Ventures. Shelly Bell, come on in and just say hello to everyone. Hello. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for that, Aaron. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're just going to jump right into the conversation here. And I want to know, what is the Shelly Bell story? You can start from where you would like. Mm. What is the Shelly Bell story? Well, that's interesting because you didn't ask me like about the BGV story first. Exactly. <clears throat> the Shelly Bell story. I'm from, I'm originally from Durham, North Carolina, and I now am in the DMV, like the DC area. I would say I grew up like a really, a kid that was like always exploring things. Like I want to create my own things. I want to figure things out, play a lot, big imagination, always. Yeah. I'm a computer scientist. I have three children. I had my first child when I was 17. I had my second child when I was 21. So my second child in college, actually. Okay. Never skipped a beat. Graduated, went on, graduated. Got my CS degree and kept it moving. Back then, and it's not that long ago, but I mean, like, back (laughs) back then, there was no Instagram. I don't know that we knew that. Facebook was kind of just starting to take off. Yeah. So, like, the people who were recruiting at my school, I went to North Carolina a t Okay, shout out like Aggies. Young, Aggie Pride. Aggie okay. Pride, watch out now. Um, Were people who were consulting firms. And so, after school, I was like, I'm going to be a teacher. So, I mm-hmm. went to teach. Started out teaching middle school. You got to be uh, a special person. Yes, you do. To teach middle school. Yeah. So I taught middle school for almost two years and I was teaching computer classes. Mm-hmm. And um the other computer teacher and I we started a web development company. Okay. And that was like one of my one of my first companies. But at the same time, I always just been on the grind. Mm-hmm. Like I had sold vacuum cleaners, <laughs> okay. I had uh sold lingerie, I mm-hmm. had at one point, I got myself a private eye. I had been a nanny. Like, what? I was Watch always out. a serial <laughs> entrepreneur. Always on the grind. And I think yeah. one of the best job experiences, work experiences that I've ever had was selling vacuum cleaners. All right. Mm. Because you have to go up to somebody's door, yeah. convince them to let you in their house, yep. to sell them something that they already own. Exactly. There's yeah. no better sales experience. Would you sell Kirby? That. You sell Kirby? No, Electrolux. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. And I learned a lot from the person who was like training me at that time about just like 
how to appeal to people, psychological development, like how you how to sell something. I think probably talk about this later, but I think sales training is one of the major missing components to entrepreneurship nowadays and entrepreneurship curriculums. Again, doing multiple things in life, ended up ended up working in a high school teaching computer science to high school students. Mm-hmm. So I landed this place where I was teaching them like what I had learned in school, which I really loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I'm a teacher by nature. And it was cool, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to stay inside of the school system. There were a lot of challenges. I yeah. used to teach at uh, T.C. Williams High School, which is which was the school made famous from, by I Remember the Titans. Yep. Yeah. Remember the Titans. But the, yep. the race relations from the you know '60s, '70s, like it was the same. Wow. It was just a little bit more mute, okay. but it was there. Like okay. the remnants were there. And so I left to start my own company. So I left and started an art organization, doing performance poetry, okay. doing things from the community, working with youth. I created like a youth festival. I launched the first poetry slam in the city of Alexandria called Slam Alexandria. Okay. I um, I worked with the Northern Virginia Fine Arts Association as one of my partners. Mm-hmm. I worked with the African Art Museum, the Smithsonian. Yep. I had busboys and poets. I was on their slam team. Mm-hmm. I just done all this, started doing all this community work. I held events for like the LGBT community, women's writing groups, mm-hmm. and started doing a lot of organizing and hosting events. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to how I got to start in Black Girl Ventures is after doing all that work in art, I was, I was like, I need consistent money. So I went right. back to work. Yeah. And my friend, she called me. She was like, hey, would you be interested in being a trainer for this workforce development company? Mm-hmm. So I went there. And like most jobs, I'm not a good employee. So I can't <laughs> just like come in and just do my thing in that one role. Like it never works that way. Yep. So I get in there and I'm like, ooh, we can improve this. So mm-hmm. I move up in, in the company and I become like one of the main like program managers over a multi-million dollar contract. Yeah. And real and started to learn really that like poverty is a money making business. Exactly. Yep. And it was so interesting to see it at that level of if a person got trained, then like we got paid and they got paid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So it was like it was wild. But I got laid off because my boss wanted me to do some things that I didn't want to do. And mm-hmm. I didn't feel like he cared about the community. Yeah. And I'm a rebel in that way. I got laid off and then decided to go back to work doing some patent work because I had done that before. Pat, I had a patent search firm and my boss called me in. He was like, you're amazing, but this is not for you. Yeah. And he laid me off. And after getting laid off twice back to back, I mm-hmm. said, forget this. I'm not going back to work <laughs> yeah. for anybody. I'm going to launch a business. Now, at that time, I didn't know quite what that I didn't know what business I was about to launch. <laughs> but I so was you like, jumped oh, and didn't know where you going to land. I'm going to launch a business, right? Yeah. So, because when the guy laid me off from, and he was one of the best bosses I've ever had, I have to say, from the patent search firm, yeah. I was devastated. I went home and I called California Psychics. What? And I was like, what is happening to my life? <laughs> and the lady, she was like, when you find a thing you want to do, the money will come. Yeah. And so... I threw everything out of my living room. I repainted it. I don't know. I just needed an aesthetic change. Yeah. And I built a teepee. The first thing I built was a teepee in my living room. And I said, I'm going to build a teepee, put it in my living room, and I'm going to rent it out. And everybody was like, what? What? 
Yeah. You're crazy. I was in Home Depot trying to get the wood together. I, I didn't even know how to drill a hole. And the associates were like, what are you doing? And I told them, I'm going to build a teepee, put it in my living room, and I'm going to rent it out. And, they're, and I'm like, nobody's going to sleep in your living room in a teepee. My friend who had come to like patch up the botched walls that I had painted, uh-huh. he was six feet tall. And I'm like, I need you to lay down in between these sticks mm-hmm. so I can see if a six foot tall person can sleep in his teepee. And he's like, what? Like, nobody is going to sleep in your living room in a teepee. But... Mm. Uh huh. Airbnb has a TP option. Wow. So I put it on Airbnb and I actually had so many people that want to come and stay that I was like, I shut it down after one woman came to stay. And (laughs) the goal, though, had a social cost to it. Mm. I felt like women. If you had children or if you didn't have an extra room, Mm -hmm. you weren't able to catch the Airbnb wave. Right. Because you didn't have anywhere to make money or, you know, you didn't really have anywhere for anybody to sleep if they wanted to visit. Yeah. So the TP could close, had a light inside. You could see out, but you can't really see in. Like, it was a whole situation. I have a picture of it on my Instagram timeline. Okay. My my thought also was like, well, maybe I could franchise it across Mm -hmm. the country for other single moms to use. Also, just had a lot of thoughts around, like, could I, like, create different mechanisms out of it? But it yeah. needed more money. And yeah. I was like, uh, oh, this needs more money. It's going to go on hold. Yeah. So I left that alone. And I launched a, I learned how to do T-shirts at a previous experience. So I launched a um, T-shirt print shop. First, mm-hmm. it was just a clothing line. It was an LGBT line. LGBT clothing line. It mm-hmm. sucked. Nobody bought it. <laughs> so I was like, oh, we can't do that one. And so I was on the phone with a printer I was using. And I said, you know what? It's made by a black woman. I should put that on a shirt. And so I literally went to the computer. I designed the made by a black woman logo to pattern after the made in America logo. Yep. Put it on a shirt. Everybody loved it. Wow. My mom invested her retirement money. And I used my wow. tax returns mm-hmm. to buy my own machines. Okay. And so there I was with a clothing wow. line and now a print shop. <laughs> and so we spent that year, this is 2016, going all up and down the East Coast, vending. I learned so much about manufacturing, materials, mm-hmm. being face-to-face with customers, customer acquisition. I was also working with like small brands and festivals. Mm-hmm. So it was. So I learned supplier diversity, started building relationships and started doing orders for like Google and Amazon. And that next year, we made Essence Magazine Holiday Gift Guide for our infant bodysuit. It, it, it just exploded. But I was working, you know, another two years prior to that point. Mm-hmm. And then the news came out. Black women are not getting access to capital. Mm-hmm. And I knew that journey firsthand. Yeah. And so I said, okay. I had a bit of a brand from the work I was doing. So I put it up on meetup.com mm-hmm. to pull together this event. 30 women in a house in Southeast D.C. I cooked all the food. It was a brunch. Okay. We voted. We had a pitch competition, so the women pitched. The audience asked questions. We voted with marbles and coffee mugs. If you like that person, you put your marble in their coffee mug. Uh And I gave all the money right back to the winner in cash. You would pay at the door, and then I would split the money with the winner. I really didn't think much about it, but we kept doing it because people liked it. So I said, okay, cool. Naturally, just my natural business acumen started going out and getting partners. We started doing it at co-working spaces. And then through networking, I landed some contracts with Google. And I met someone from Google Cloud for Startups. Mm -hmm. And then, boom, we were off 
doing these across the country in different Google offices. Wow. And I couldn't charge people to come into Google, so we became a Google charity, and mm. that's when I introduced the Vote With Your Dollars model. So the way our competition works is like Kickstarter meets Shark Tank. So okay. women pitch, and then the audience actually goes into their pockets and donates to the pitch that they favor, and then we grant to those women. So their donations are actual tax-deductible yeah. charitable donations to us, and then we grant to those founders. Wow. To date, we funded about 130 wow. women. We have wow. efforts across across 12 cities. We have we're working with some of the largest brands in the world. We're working with Nike, Visa, yeah. Kroger, yeah, Warby Parker, Kim Crawford Wines, Johnny Walker Brands. We work with Rare Beauty Brands. In turn, work with Ulta Beauty. Like it's been an amazing, amazing journey wow. to get here. And I look and I'm like. I just made this up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I just made this up. And here we are, you know, really impacting and changing lives. So, yeah, that's really powerful to see. Now, I, I asked you one question to tell me your story. I know. And that, that was and a I, lot. No, 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 no. But it was all like such an experience. And the way that you were able to take the experiences of one thing and add it to the next thing. It really was a snowball effect for where you are to help you where you are right now. I love the fact that you took the TP and built it in your room, in your living room, repainted the room. And it kind of puts me in the frame of mind where, you know, sometimes if you can't change where you're going, you got to change where you are, you know, and, and if you come on, Aaron, watch out you now, better, come on now, <laughs> you got to change where you are, you know, and in changing where you are, it'll take you to where you're going to go. And so that's just a, a powerful uh, message that you have there with all these different things. So you really were doing the ventures that you're helping women do with Black Girl Ventures. You really have lived the ventures. You live them and you can advocate for them so well now because you lived it firsthand. How do you envision Black Girl Ventures taking a larger role in, in emerging ecosystems? As it expands across the country, you're in 12 markets now, you said, how do you see it playing a greater role moving forward with this you very unique model? To your point around, like, if you can't change, you change where you are. That's actually the ingenuity behind creating this. Because, of course, like, the fight to make things more equitable all has existed and will continue to exist. The bank shouldn't be discriminating. The, the, the VC shouldn't be discriminating. You know, like, right. all of that, yes. But I was like, but what are we going to do right now? Exactly. And so while waiting for them to get it, I'm like, we got to figure out something. And so it wasn't, an, it took me a while to realize what I'd actually done. Yeah. We circumvented the bank, circumvented the VC world, and we figured a way to use civic engagement to get capital directly into the hands mm -hmm. of founders so that they can sustain their families right. and sustain their, essentially their communities, economic development at its core. So yeah. when I think about that and I think about emerging ecosystems, I and mean, we look across the country at what it means to drop a a vehicle like what we're doing there. Yes. We have like a each one teach one to fund one kind of model. Okay. And so what I'm doing now, so it with caught my relationship with Kaufman came from so many people started asking us to come to their cities. I couldn't. Okay. And so I'm like, Oh my gosh, I got to figure out how to scale this thing. Yeah. And decided to create this model of like local fellowships. Yes. And Kaufman was one of our first believers at the six figure level that came in and said, okay. And so we've been piloting this over the last two years of what does it look like to truly activate leaders on the ground? 
And so I taught them what we did. I taught them how to do the pitch competition. And then in turn, they're delivering a pitch competition on the ground. Now, of course, because of COVID, things looked a little different. But actually, be, us being quarantined allowed us to serve even bigger. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now, and the people cautioned me against that. Like, mm -hmm. oh, no, you shouldn't teach people what you're doing. They're going to steal it. They're no. gonna, and I'm like, listen, if everybody started. They ain't got listen, the juice. Yeah. But let me tell you something. If everybody start start doing crowdfunded pitch competitions, then I can yeah. back up and do something else. Imagine yeah. the amount of change I will have created right. if the rule of thumb becomes yeah. crowdfunded pitch competitions. Absolutely. Right? So yeah. Yeah. I'm not I was never afraid of that. So now the way that we have it set up is we are moving into so with the two year experiment we used to pilot two year pilot not experiment mm -hmm. straight up from the record but <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> but um the now we're looking at doing nine month fellowships okay and during that nine month fellowship not only will it be about business them as business owners but about the women as business leaders okay because we know that underrepresented groups face lack of access to financial capital Yep. Lack of access to social capital yep. and lack of access to ability to hire. And I feel like all of that comes from the social capital piece. Yeah. So those three women with three to five women, depending on the city and the mm -hmm. sponsor, will go through a nine month leadership development program. They will launch a pitch competition in their market. So then they create, they'll get a 10K stipend for participating, but they will actually create access to capital for eight more people. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And then after the competition, we have a accelerated program that they go through, mm -hmm. which the eight people will then get to invite someone to go with them. Nice. So, it right. Cyclical. So it's, that's right. So we're yeah. creating this kind of like fanning out of the effort so yes. that easily we're directly impacting about 25 to 30 people. And the majority of them get direct access to capital through the experience. I just wanted yeah. to comment on how I love the way you positioned yourself between what these large conglomerates need to do and are trying to do versus the needs of the people themselves. And you've just been this conduit back and forth between the two entities. I, I really love that. And the quick question I wanted to ask just to follow up on that, what cities, just name a few of the cities that you're in and how do you go about finding the people who are part of these pitch competitions? You know what? The listeners out there better listen to the language that Aaron is using, right? You just, you giving me all fundraising language. Oh. I wrote that down. Like, how are you going to emerge these <laughs> ecosystems? <laughs> you, know, like, how, you know, you are being a conduit in between. Yeah. I'm telling you, if y'all listen, y'all better listen to this podcast oh, and make sure y'all are noting what Sean and Aaron are saying on these fundraising language words. There you go. Um, <laughs> so, now you have SAT words. You also have a whole list of fundraising words. You do. And you have a whole other VC category with a whole other list of words that Sean's about to use on you in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope your listeners are taking note of that. Yeah. All right. So we are with Nike. We'll be going deeper in Chicago, but we've done Chicago pitch competitions at least twice in a year, two, like two times. So we're, the markets we're in are Atlanta, Chicago, New York, DC, Philly, Miami, Houston, we're about to go into Cincinnati. Um, Sean's from Cincinnati. Oh, really? Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I was going to say, congrats, congratulations on, on the partnership with Kroger. I saw that in the newspaper like a week or so ago, and I was like, hey, I get to interview Shelly in a couple of weeks. That's, I was like, I was super excited. So, congratulations. Thank you. On that. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. We're, we're super hype about it. Mortar is out there in Cincinnati. We're looking for Mortar's coming here, too. 
Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll yeah. be here in a, in a couple of months or so. Yeah. So one of the things that Aaron and I w- would love to hear more about, and I think our listeners would definitely want to hear more about, was how did you go about striking this partnership with Nike and some of these other globally well-known brands? Were they coming to you, or were you going to them? I think we would love to hear more about that. Yeah, it's a bit of both. I would say there's mm-hmm. times when they came to me, and there's times when I went to them, and and, and there's the times there, all the time. It's the dance in between it all. Right. Yes. Like maybe I reached out first and then they didn't say anything. And then when the yeah. time was right, they reached out after the murder of George Floyd. So so pre the what I, I call the awakening. Yeah. Good word we, for it. Yeah. 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 We already had worked with some large, larger brands or companies. So we work with AARP. We work with Bumble. And a lot of this is relationship building. Yeah. And this is why I say, like, you got to yeah. be great at building relationships, becoming clearer at articulating what you're doing, but articulating the opportunity point between you and the person you're talking to. Yep. It's not about, what I say is like the trauma around fundraising is real. Yeah. And the trauma around being an underrepresented founder, trying to go to a larger entity and have conversations and sometimes feeling shut out, feeling mm-hmm. invisible, feeling small. Yeah. There's also a lot of times where like people will need an intro and they don't know how to send me what I need for them to get the intro. Yeah. And then they also don't know how to follow yeah. up. So I learned this the hard way mm-hmm. years ago while I was doing poetry. Mm-hmm. A woman I know, she said, hey, the Grammys, they're going to do this event. Would you want to perform? And I was like, yeah, it's the Grammy organization, you know, and there's a really strong Grammy organization chapter here in the D.C. area. Mm-hmm. And. So she said, okay, I'm going to introduce you to the lady. So she sends me an introduction, but I'm thinking, okay, the lady going to get back to me. Mm-mm. So I didn't say anything. Yeah. So probably about a month or two later, I saw the woman who did the intro. She was like, did you get back to the lady? I'm like, you sent the intro and she never said anything. So I didn't think. And she was like, that's not how this works. No, no. If I no. send you the intro, yeah. then Follow you're up. Sub- that's right. Yeah. Even though she's the one that wants the opportunity, yeah. you are the one that has to follow up. Absolutely. And I never forgot that. Yeah. So uh, that's tip number one. Mm-hmm. When somebody introduces you, you respond. I don't care what that other person does. Mm-hmm. You make sure you respond as immediate as possible. Yes. That is one thing that I yep. do. Mm-hmm. And another piece of that is I remember, I don't know. I don't know. I was asking for an intro from somebody and they were like, well, can you send me a blurb on what it is you do? Like send me something that I could forward if I was, had to run into if I, yeah, like running or the affordable. Yeah. Email. Send me yeah. something I could like text. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, okay. So in those kinds of emails, you have to know how to be like, almost give your like Twitter version. It's like your tweet level yeah. blurb. And identify what you were all at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, it's like identifying what you were in like a third party kind of way, like a third person kind of way. Right. And then introducing yourself all at once. And I just got good at that. Okay. So they're all making, taking no work on the person, making it really easy for the person that's doing the intro. Right. So all they have to do is forward it. And through right. those kinds of things, I'll tell you a little, another little secret. <laughs> I use a lot of automation. Oh, okay. During the time when I was doing a I, I fundraise, like the life of a founder mm-hmm. is always fundraising. So I'm always, always be fundraising, ABF. Yeah. I love that. I love um, that. 
But I started introducing a lot of different tools. So I use HubSpot to look at like when my emails are open. You can get a free version, plug it into your browser if you got Chrome. Mm. And you can see when people open your emails. Clearbit is a tool where you can get anybody's email address at any corporation. Mm. I said before Google started resurfacing your emails, yeah. I would use uh, Boomerang to set the like, if nobody replies, bring it mm. back to the top of my inbox, Right. scheduling things, scheduling emails out, mm -hmm. using Boomerang or HubSpot. You can now plug like Calendly into your email as well. Okay. So you can use that to try to set meetings quickly yeah. through HubSpot. I have a couple like bucket templates mm -hmm. for things that are really personable so you wouldn't know. It is a template. If I met you at a meeting or like on a call or something, I want to get to you quickly. And I started, I created this one. It was like virtual coffee. Yeah. So it was like virtual coffee with you. It was nice meeting you here. I would love to have virtual coffee. And so I would like drop that. Boom. Type your name in. Boom. It's gone. So like I would get back to the hotel after the, an event mm -hmm. or some networking thing and get home, pull out all the cards I got and immediately like drop that template in. Yeah. And just like, boom, 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 boom. And I would be call, at the call, at the call. A lot of calls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Smarter, not yeah. harder. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And just Absolutely. making sure that I knew what I wanted. I think yeah. that's, that's really what I had to learn. It's like, did I have my three things that I could want from anyone? Mm -hmm. I got three things I can want from any partner. Right. But then... There could be other things that I want, but I know those three things that I mm -hmm. can want yeah. from any partner I'm choosing. So just having people reach out on my behalf too, like with the Nike, <laughs> interesting thing about the Nike partnership is more people are asking me how I did it than that are asking me what I'm going to do with it. Right. So it's they're like, <laughs> how did you do that? My board chair actually sent a cold email. Mm. This was maybe like, this was before the awakening I love that. The awakening. <laughs> yes, the awakening. She's in the email before. We watch a lot of news. Mm -hmm. We watch the trends. We watch the tweets. We watch the LinkedIn yeah. posts. And if we see you in, Take it. we contact them. Yeah. Hey, I'm such and such from such and such. Love to talk to you. Da, da, da. But when the awakening happened, a lot of brands reached out to us. Mm -hmm. And I'm an engineer, so I developed a system for it. Like, systematic way of doing it mm -hmm. we created a template for the partnership agreements and we just cleared our schedule and we just were on calls all day mm. boom wow. boom boom people were contacting us like "Ooh, we we want to give you twenty thousand. we want to announce it tomorrow okay boom like we were <laughs> we'll take it <laughs> right yeah right okay. right send me the agreement yeah i also have a lawyer she's yeah. locking step with us so nice. it's like Asking yeah. her agreement, she look it over, we get it signed, we have a partnership agreement, they go back and forth. Okay, at the end of every call, you know what we'll do? We'll send you something to react to. Okay, thank you. Boom. Within the next few minutes, we were sending those documents out. Mm. I think for real, Sean, I was ready and didn't know I was ready. So I, I, that that's I was ready and didn't necessarily know I was ready. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about Besides providing an avenue for which Black female founders can find funding and capital, what other sort of resources do does Black Girl Ventures provide to these founders beyond just being an avenue for capital? Yeah, so we have a couple other programs. So like I mentioned the fellowship program. The fellowship program is a nine-month mm -hmm. program. 
but we take our pillars so like capital capacity and community very seriously and we dig into them so through capital there's a bgv pitch for community there we have two virtual communities so we have a, a large facebook group is like about three thousand or so people and then we have a more intimate community as we call bgv connect the bgv connect we have virtual co-working every wednesday we have virtual pit, pitch practice every wednesday we have monthly women in business support groups we have a hubspot package a salesforce package we do different events like the other night we did a customer discovery blitz with paypal so 50 volunteers that work at paypal and 20 of our entrepreneurs and we set them up with four main questions for them to be able to get like it's almost like a mentor madness the co-working yeah. creates peer-to-peer -peer mentoring as well as the pitch practice introduction so we have like people come to us who want yeah. to get introduced to founders that are doing x y and z want to invest we introduce them to investors mm -hmm. definitely if they need references or we really try to be as intimate as we can with our alumni in terms of introductions because that social capital piece is everything yeah so we yeah. found that the customer discovery blitz was a great way to scale it but we've done something smaller where we do like vc feedback sessions where we have five like two vcs per room and then the entrepreneurs get to one to two they get to go like 15 minutes in on a pitch and feedback so like really deep level feedback not just like a three minute and a couple words yeah so we want to go a little deeper with vcs who are actively investing yeah. not vcs who are not investing <laughs> yeah so those are some of the things that we do when they get ready to pitch they actually have they go through two pitch practices before that day so to see the change even from the first pitch practice to the day they pitch is an amazing transformation Wow. Because Love yeah, that. we go we go hard. I'm like, mm, move this here. That don't look right. Yeah. That those words don't make sense. Why? You know, <laughs> you got to yeah. Um, so you got to yeah. We have two trainings. Like the fellowship training is Jetpack for leaders, but the entrepreneurship training is Jetpack for entrepreneurs. And I call it Jetpack because I realize that like, what did I need as a founder, and what do what do founders who are who have a high level of ingenuity need? We don't need a 13 week course to sit there for you to tell me to like come up with a custom a business plan canvas. Mm -hmm. I don't need 13 weeks for you to give me the 101. Right. We needed a level two. Yeah. yeah. And so the jetpack courses yeah. are more of a level two. I see. And directly related to working with underrepresented groups. Okay. So we do a lot, and it's interesting because I don't always get to articulate all of it, but it's mm -hmm. huge. <laughs> So in that, uh, yeah. in that vein, what are some of the recurring challenges you're seeing with different founders and perhaps within your portfolio companies? What are some of the theme challenges you're seeing? I would describe it as care, context, and contacts. Okay. Okay. Those are the challenges. Okay. A when level of care, care. Okay. Go ahead. A level of care, meaning mm -hmm. like, and I don't mean this in a way that's like overly emotional. Like we need people to any people need handouts is not what i mean but i mean just like just freaking care mm -hmm. about who i am mm -hmm. not giving people the bucket treatment yeah not giving people to like one size fits all you're just like everybody else mm -hmm. treatment like the pattern matching is in vc is a problem yeah i agree yep so yep. i mean like thinking outside the pattern that's what i mean by the care it's just 
Now have a little bit of care. I also think that there's nuance that that comes with working cross-culturally in these experiences that if you just have a little bit of care, you can be at least a little bit aware of. Things like using female versus women. Things like assuming that all people who are Hispanic or Mexican. Things like assuming that all women are facing the same challenges or all women have children and therefore they can't do just just it's just like thinking outside of the pattern matching that's what i would say context being understanding the game like i said about like you the words you're using right like that language didn't come to me in high school (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) what i learned a conduit was that it was about like electricity it had nothing to do with people or pipelines like a lot of these words that that we use ecosystem Mm -hmm. like these are all scientific mechanical words even the word failure is about mechanics Mm -hmm. yeah but we have but there's now the words are being yeah, now yeah. the words are being all over the place, used yep. all over the place when it comes to entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And, and there's no, like, there's no definition given to it when it's said. You just have to take it in the context of the way a person is saying it. And so understanding that, like, the game is yeah. exhausting. It is. But you can play. Yeah. And you can become an elite yeah. athlete if you want to. Yeah. But it is tiring. So you got to gas up. You got to... Drink water, dance in the mirror, eat food. You got to do what you got to do to fuel up. Absolutely. But know that, like, the nose you're getting, that's a part of the game. Yeah. You win something, you lose You can't just kind of want it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. If you think that you can walk outside of your house tomorrow and get killed by the police, mm-hmm. you don't have the ability to think about time. Yeah. Not the same way. Right. So everything is feels short term. And maybe not tomorrow, but mm-hmm. it definitely feels like a year. Yeah. So when you're up against some other communities that can think about like five years from now, I'm going to, it's okay if I fail today because in 10 years, I'm going to, it's like 10 years. I can't think about 10 years. I got two sons. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? I tell you, I got two black sons Mm -hmm. and I'm a black woman. I'm trying to make sure they come home next week. Yes. Absolutely. So, you know, and that's not even being in a dangerous neighborhood or any of that. So there's levels to that. So I think like the context and pushing around the turning, how you turn down the trauma when you can. Mm, To understand that like the, sometimes the white person in front of you is not thinking anything other than what they already know. Right. Which is so different from what you know. Right. The education on both ends is necessary. Right. That context on both ends is not, and I'm trying to stand in the gap to do that work because yeah. I don't want my founders to have to do that work. Their yeah. work should just be pitching the best way they can, knowing their business, knowing the inside. Their work should not be having to educate this person on on an industry or the fact that they're going to do a thing or achieve on top of being black. That should not be yeah. their, or a, a woman of color. Yeah. That should not be their work. What was that last C? Contacts. Contacts. Which, which, okay. Mm-hmm, contacts, yeah. which speaks to, you Network. know, being in contact with the right people, the real movers and shakers. There's a lot of people out here who have no power. Yeah. yeah. And so I say, if it's a no, it's because it's not the right person, it's not the right time, mm-hmm. or it's not the right ask. Yeah, it's true. You got to get to the right yeah. contact that yep. can really make a move. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. You, you're bringing up some really good points with this because we don't 
understand, you know, I came to Sean when I'm coming from higher ed. I was at Penn State for eight years. And so when we met a few years ago, I was at Penn State at the time running an incubator. But uh, when I came to this VC space, Sean has been my thesaurus in the VC space. They have a whole nother lingo. They talk about something 10X and then I'm like 10X. What is, okay, is that a new company? Is that a, like, what are we talking about? You know, they're talking about MVPs and what's their ARR and MRR. And I'm, I, it was, Sean, what's that mean? Where's it at? You know, so he's been my thesaurus to get me up the, up my chops up uh, in this space in such a short time. But you're right. It, when you have other traumas that you're dealing with and other stresses, that you really don't have the inclination, Not maybe not even the time, you don't even have the inclination to delve into another language I have to learn on top of the language I have to learn in my community, on top of the language I have to learn when I go to work, on top of the language, because most people start their jo- their business on the side. Yeah. They don't just jump full stream yeah. into it. So uh, you bring up a really great point with that. I wanted to follow up with an, another question here. Let's talk a little bit about the startup scene. And we only have a few minutes. I don't want to keep you too long. Let's talk a little bit about the startup scene in the DMV area. And how does that compare to other uh, markets in the country? When things were in a place that we can meet in person, I feel like it's probably one of the more welcoming markets to come to. Okay. There's, you couldn't at some, at some point, if you were in, you couldn't. Trip over every block you be tripping over some type of entrepreneurial startup event about to happen. Okay, and that would be, that could be a matter of just being in the right co working spaces, right? So I think we're fairly open with information. And we're mm-hmm. fairly accessible. Melissa Bradley is here and her eighteen sixty three ventures and what they have going on. Amazing folks. You got Halcyon who's here. Great incubator space with them. We just launched a cohort with them everybody's fairly like open and free with their information okay the one thing that is challenging is the cap the capital okay. so we have we got some deep pockets here especially in northern virginia oh yeah people have deep pockets old money family money mm-hmm. i think the nestle family lives here somewhere in northern virginia i think the money doesn't move fast yeah so yeah. that's our only challenge i think the money just doesn't flow so quickly i'm gonna write that down yeah yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got the money in Tulsa. What we got to do to get you to Tulsa? To make your 13th location? You know what? You got to get me connected now. I've had a couple conversations in Tulsa. Okay. But I think, but we got to talk about, let's talk about it. <laughs> let's talk about yeah, it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk, let's about, talk it. about it. People told me that Tulsa would not. So this is what I heard. Okay? Tell us what you heard. Somebody told me that Tulsa was not going to vote for people with their dollars. That Tulsa people wouldn't do that. Okay. They don't think that's something that that Tulsa people would do. And I'm like, but you know how many people have told me they don't think that's what somebody would do? Okay. I've done this across so many cities now. And people, you would be shocked how many people want to do it. Because yeah. people want to know how to activate. But that's yeah. what people told me, right? Yeah. And this is when the world was open. Yeah. I think that I I have the contacts that I have, man. I, I, I need more contacts. You need more contacts. That's right. You ain't <laughs> tapped in. That's there we go. That's, that's what, what it is. Like you like, said, you came, like you said, it's who you ask. You came to the right. Yeah, guys. exactly. So we we'll definitely get you plugged into the right the right players here All in the right. Tulsa ecosystem because we've really been doing a lot of work around bolstering the startup scene here in Tulsa, especially in the minority communities. And so yeah, yeah you 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 fit right into what's going on. Actually, that's part of the talks we've been having with M- Melissa Bradley in mm-hmm. 1863 as well. We would love to have you in this space. 
So one of the things I wanted to ask, and this is looking towards the future, tell me a little bit about what, how you envision Black Girl Ventures in, let's say, 2030. Oh, that's interesting. And we just wrote out something about that. But I'll say I I envision BGV in 2030 being international, having efforts across the majority of the country and then being national. I mean, I built Black Girl Ventures to stand beside your urban leagues and those types of organizations. So I believe that our software product our platform Mm -hmm. would be adapted by more incubators, accelerators, pitch competitions Mm -hmm. as like a major go-to product for managing demo days and competitions. Mm -hmm. Right now it's called She Raise. We're about to transition the name to be Raiseify. So stay tuned for that. Okay. I believe that we will have served 100,000 women plus. Wow. Wow. And, And with that, will have affected easily a half a million families. Okay. I'm on a mission. Okay. <laughs> so. okay. Aaron and I always love to ask every interviewee for some advice. And so I would love to just hear, what sort of advice do you have for underestimate, underrepresented and underestimated founders as they sort of build their companies? Revenue is the validator. I'm not, no investor is, is the validator. No incubator, no accelerator is the validator. Revenue is the validator. Wow. Okay. That lets you know how viable your company is mm-hmm. and do all that you can to make revenue legally mm-hmm. and <laughs> to, fo- <laughs> to focus on revenue. So yeah. many people focus on people and did yeah. this person like what I do and did this did this panel of investors like what I do? Bump that. If you making revenue, they mm-hmm. gonna like it. One of the things that happened yeah. with us is like I think also why people started reaching out to us is because I just was determined to keep moving mm-hmm. and like activating people. And it's like, oh wait, wait, you you did that and you ain't asked nobody. Mm-hmm. You didn't include us. You gave the fear of missing out is everything for making money. Yeah. <laughs> so so focus on revenue. That's good. That's good. Absolutely. I'm, Another mainstay question that we have with most of our uh, interviewees is what is something you would have told yourself a bit of advice, a piece of advice that you've now lived out and you're like, here's how I would handle this today versus uh, 10 years ago. You're on track to live out your destiny. Don't worry about anything. Just keep moving. Wow. And that's good because so many people get restless. Because you don't know when the next thing is going to happen. You don't know when the next yes is going to happen. You got bills you have to pay now. You have soccer games and basketball uniforms you got to buy and all this other stuff that's happening right now. You don't know when the next is going to happen. But just to be able to tell yourself to calm down, basically, is what you're saying. Stay on. You're on the track. And it's going to happen. Wow, that's powerful. That's powerful. Tell us how or tell the listeners how they can reach you. What are the best? ways to read you're all over the place right now i'm seeing you all over linkedin and over here forbes magazine you know it, like i'm seeing you everywhere so what's the best place? How, how can they get a how can they get that virtual copy? there you go yeah <laughs> wait no yeah. that's a couple steps down that's a couple steps in Sean, okay? <laughs> um, but I, <laughs> I am, 
I'm on all social media as I am Shelly Bell. So I A M S H E L L Y B is in boy E L L. And follow Black Girl Ventures if you are a Black or Brown Women founder out there and you're looking for resources. Definitely apply for some of the things we have coming up. We're about to launch our own ice cream flavor. Mm. And when people buy that ice cream, it will create a grant for a woman founder to receive access to design, IP, and development. Just be ready. If you're in Houston, we just launched a 50K relief fund for Houston because we have a chapter out there. So nice. If you, we are reimbursing electricians and reimbursing plumbing, and we're going to do some water drops. So definitely go on and apply to your heart's content for all the things we have available mm-hmm. and join the communities. You can follow Black Girl Ventures on Instagram at Black Girl Ventures mm-hmm. and on Twitter at B Girl Ventures. Sounds good. BlackGirlVentures.org. Final question. Oh, you didn't shout out your podcast too. Oh, yeah, which is, I'm about to yeah. actually record an episode right now. So, A Dose of Disruption. And you can also find it on IamShellyBell.com or you can go to a adoseofdisruption.com and subscribe, rate and subscribe if you all the way live. What is something that you have yet to accomplish that keeps your fire burning? Oof. <laughs> the first thing that came to mind was like world domination, Aaron. Do you understand? <laughs> the hostile um, takeover. You know right, right, right. <laughs> um, um, I, on the outside looking in, I think we are really solid in the way that people feel about how Black Revengers is taking position, but I don't. I'm still, I still am feeling like we got, we really. We're close. Yeah. But I really want to solidify, like, henceforth and forevermore, like, in an almost immortal way, Yeah, the thing that I've built. That's beautiful. When I look at the women that we have helped, when I get their messages, when, you know, we're in those practices, when they get more investment, that is what keeps me going Mm -hmm. and what keeps me being like, yes, we needed this. This is what we needed. Yeah. This is what our people need. This is what the world needs. We got to keep moving. But to really make that sustainable, like 20 years sustainable is what I'm gunning for. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. Wow. We thank you for your time. We thank you for your expertise and for your sacrifice. This is not an easy thing to do, to stand there and be this conduit. But we are really, it's really amazing to watch. And I'm telling you from the outside looking in, what you're doing is simply amazing. So keep up the good work Absolutely. and uh, let's stay in touch. We'll continue this conversation yeah. about Tulsa. We need you. Okay. Let me know. Come visit us. All right. Please come visit. All right. I'm going to make it happen. We're going to make it happen. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks so much, Shelly. Right. Thank, Thank you, you Shelly. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Be Attento podcast. You can find this podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. And please make sure to subscribe or follow, depending on which Apple update you're on, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to follow Atento Capital across all social media platforms. And we look forward to speaking with you all again on the next episode of Be Atento.